The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And I'm here live with you the day after Memorial Day. And that's what this show is called today, Memorial Day, the day after. Because I feel really strongly about this. Um, everyone on Memorial Day goes to, uh, well, not everyone actually goes to ceremonies or watches them on TV. A lot of people just sit at home and barbecue. You know, that's what it's become, a holiday, a day off from work for too many of us. But even for those who do make some acknowledgement in one way or another of the day, uh, the day that we're supposed to be honoring our veterans, the ones who um, are still fighting for us, the ones who have died, the ones who have returned home and uh, need our help. Uh, well, they all need our help and or our honor. And the problem is that there are far too many, far too few days when we um, don't pay attention to this. And that's because psychologically, um, I think that a lot of people not only because we've really become so self-centered, narcissistic, and thinking about our next Starbucks drink, um, but um, it's also because it's with some shame and embarrassment that we are aware that we are not really doing enough to help our veterans, to honor those who died, to remember them every day, that every day that we're free walking around uh, deciding what we want to do for the day, um, enjoying our freedoms, that this is coming at a price of veterans to this day, at this very moment, as as this show is being broadcast, there are people all over the world trying to protect our freedoms. And um, so it disturbs me that it's just become um, not uh, frequent enough that we are reminded of this and that we do enough for our veterans um, and so to try to um, do something about that, <laughs> I invited my guests, distinguished guests, um, who have a lot to say on this matter. Uh, the first is Thomas Ruck. He, besides having a, a real life that he keeps secret, I don't, I don't even know what he does, but uh, maybe he'll tell us. But his passion is, and what he seems to spend most of his life doing, is promoting his book, called Sacred Ground, a Tribute to America's Veterans. And lest you think for a minute that this is for self-promotion, he donates all of the money that he gets from the sale of this book to a worthwhile charity that I'll let him tell you about. My second guest is Dr. Francis Abueg, and he is a psychologist. He has worked at the VA hospital and the National Center for PTSD doing research and treatment 
specifically with veterans of the wars of World War II, Korea and Vietnam, and the Persian Gulf, and he also testified before Congress on the needs of ethnic minority Vietnam veterans with PTSD. So I think amongst the three of us, <laughs> we um, have a lot to say about this phenomenon, so welcome to the show. Thank you. We're uh, very happy to be here. Well, why don't we start with Tom, and um, first of all, I'd like to ask both of you, each of you, what you think about, uh, you know, what I started off with, this this dearth of attention and help um, for our veterans. Well, uh, Carol, to be honest with you, I I feel very much the same way you do. I think uh, when we go back to 9-11, for example, we had a lot of flag waving more than on Veterans Day and on Memorial Day. We took a pride in being in America because we were hurt. Uh, uh, you know, we were we were injured. They had attacked us. But as the days passed after 9/11, we slipped back into the normal um, scope that America does. We we honor uh, are the people who wear the uniform of our country, who keep us free, who keep the American dream, the American way of life alive and well. The uh, the veterans and those who are serving. Memorial Day, Veterans Day, and perhaps on July 4th. Right. And those are the three days, really, that America stops at least for a few minutes to think about it. I'm not saying they should think about it 24-7, but it'd be a little bit, uh, I would appreciate it more if they would just uh, think about it a little bit more than three days a year and for a few minutes on those three days. Well, you know, I guess that leads into um, what I was going to be asking you as to why you wrote um, your book. I guess, really, this, this was the same reason, Sacred Ground, a tribute to America's veterans. How did that idea come about? Wow, Carol, and, and thank you for that question. It seems that's the one that leads to most of the discussion. But uh, I am not a veteran. Let me just uh, start out in saying that. However, I hold the veterans in the highest regard. I truly believe that they are America's truest heroes. Uh, for at a moment's notice, uh, while wearing the uniform of our great country, uh, they can be put into harm's way at any time. And the reason for the book is I wanted to do something to honor them. And came up with this idea, then started to uh, try to put it together. I'm not an author. I'm not a photographer, as you say. I have that real life uh, that I do a, a real thing every day. Uh, nine to five, except that I'm on your show, of course. <laughs> and um, it was just something of, that became a passion to say thank you to the men and women who wear our uniform and hopefully create awareness of them and to them and then raise some money for the kids uh, of the charity. Well, okay, but what, you know, you said you're not a veteran, so what sort of clicked? I mean, you could have done, and you should describe the book a little bit, what it is, but you could have done a book, a similar book, you know, photography and, and essays and so on, on any subject. You could have put it together. What clicked in your mind one day to say, to tell you that you had to do this? And that is still the mystery. Um, perhaps I need to visit your couch more often, <laughs> and, we, and we can talk about that. But I, I truly don't know what it was that made me click. I've always believed in America. I've always waved the flag. Uh, wherever I've lived, I've had a flagpole with a light on it so I could fly the flag 24-7. Um, I've always been that type of individual. But one night, seriously, while having dinner at a restaurant here in Los Angeles, I came up with an idea, wrote it down on a napkin. The next morning, I woke up, looked at the napkin from the uh, restaurant of the night before and said, wow, i got to go do this. And it was, uh, I'm not going to use the word divine intervention, but 
it was almost like something just hit me and said, go do this. And I put it together and made it happen three and a half years later. Wow. And do you have any, did you, your father or your grandfather, they presumably were... Well, you know, yes, that generation, you know, what Brokaw calls the greatest generation, both my fathers, uh, my first father passed away when I was in seventh grade, then my mom remarried, but both of uh, those fine gentlemen who I called Dad One and Dad Two, so to speak, both served in World War II, both in the Navy, as did almost everybody of that age, of uh, that generation, because World War II was such a momentous event in, in the life and history of America. Yes, yes, and I, I want to talk about that later, too, about, uh, you know, how things have changed now that there isn't the draft. But but let's go to Dr. Francis Abwig, um, who I'm going to call Dr. Francis <laughs> because it's easier for me to pronounce. Uh, do, you, do people call you Dr. Francis like people call me Dr. Carroll? They do. That's okay, fine. good. <laughs> what do you think about this whole issue? Well, I, I think it's a nice uh, serendipitous thing that uh, Tom is uh, here with, with us because it's... Uh, it's a very personal um, issue for me, having uh, a father also who fought in World War II. He was Philippine-born, but he fought with the U.S. Army in the Philippines and uh, lost a number of his family members to the Japanese occupation post-World War II. Could you speak up a little bit? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's, it was very interesting when I went to graduate school and I thought, well, I'm very interested in trauma issues and I didn't really quite figure it out that I had been living with a uh, post-traumatic stress mm. disorder survivor all my life, and mm. uh, that's when it really clicked for me. And, and when I first saw a Vietnam combat veteran in the uh, 80s, I thought, wow, I've, I've never been uh, abroad, I, but I have this deep sense of uh, compassion and understanding uh, about how this war experience just continues to live on in the veteran and, and his family as well. Yes, that's interesting. So you realize that why, why you were drawn to all of this, helping people with PTSD and understanding it, because you've done research in it too, was um, allowing you to understand your own upbringing, your own father. Absolutely, and just kind of witnessing all the extreme symptoms and uh, the lack of uh, health care available at the mm. time. I mean, we really didn't have an understanding of this until the 80s, and uh, uh, by that time, uh, it was probably so, uh, you know, over-determined over, uh, in his history that it was just way too little too late. Mm -hmm. And I thought, once I got into the VA, I thought, wow, we really have to uh, uh, turn this around, and it, it, it meant uh, devoting a lot of attention to not just uh, their suffering, but how can we actually generalize this work to uh, uh, civilian survivors as well? Yes, and of course that's one of the uh, one of the um, deep shames um, about the, the number of people of um, veterans who, in active combat and and not, um, I mean, who have returned home who are committing suicide in staggering numbers, especially as compared to previous wars. That's right. The numbers are a little shocking. I mean, the, even just in January alone, there was more than uh, 50 or 60. And last, uh, last year altogether, there weren't more than 200 in the Army. So the rates are just sort of shocking and for the active duty as well as returning veterans from 
Iraq and Afghanistan. We're just a little concerned about uh, identifying people who are suffering while they're in the field, and then this idea of uh, having them uh, serviced in mental health and then returning them to the field. It's sort of the culture of uh, uh, keeping our forest combat ready throughout and not really accepting the fact that uh, sometimes people have suffering that really requires uh, getting back to the family and rehab. Well, we need to take a break now. That's uh, The music is telling us. But when we come back, we'll talk more about this. You're listening today to Memorial Day, the day after. My guests are Thomas Ruck and Dr. Francis Abweg, and we'll be right back. And I uh, hope we've been giving you something to think about in the first part of our show. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about Memorial Day, the day after. Uh, now that the ceremonies are over, far too many of us would like to forget about our veterans because we feel ashamed that we're not doing more to help those who return or are still in war zones or to honor those who have died, um, died for us. Um, my guests are Thomas Ruck, the author of Sacred Ground, a tribute to America's veterans, and Dr. Francis Abuig, a psychologist who has helped countless veterans with PTSD and has done research in this area. Um, now, Tom, I know yesterday one of the things that you did was to um, be the master of ceremonies at the Memorial Day event at the Riverside National Cemetery. What was that like? Probably one of the most moving experiences uh, I've ever had. I, I've had the honor to visit about 20 of our national cemeteries, since that's a majority of what the pictures are in the book uh, that I had published. But uh, from that, I've... You know, people have invited me out to the cemeteries for either a Memorial Day or a Veterans Day, a speech, that type of thing, or, or I try to stop in and see them uh, as I travel around this great country of ours. But yesterday, Riverside National Cemetery in Riverside, California, had a um, Memorial Day event, if you would, and it was, it, it was themed a salute to fallen heroes, you know, for obviously good reasons. But what they started to do a week ago, a week ago Saturday, is there was 147,000 veterans laid to rest at Riverside National Cemetery. They started reading each and every name around the clock, 24 hours a day, from a week ago last Saturday, and they finished at about 9 p.m. on Sunday night before Memorial Day on Monday. About 10,000 people showed up at Riverside National mm-hmm. Um you know, a Marine band was there, uh, elected officials were there, veteran support groups, veterans themselves. Uh, it was just a very, very militaristic I Love America, red, white, and blue day. Mm. And, um, oh, well, it, it lasted almost two hours, but those two hours just went by so quick because each guest and each event was just so special and um, just just a great, and the weather was great, which was even better. Well, that, hmm. You know, that's the kind of thing I think we need more of. It's too bad we, we you know, have it on these holidays. Um, oh. You know, Dr. Francis, you, um, I presume, well, I shouldn't presume anything. Have you been at all enlisted in the armed forces? No, I haven't. I haven't. I, have, I come from a family of a lot of military uh, folks, but I myself uh, worked at the VA and was a vicarious uh, yeah. Well, well, what what do both of you think about um, the draft not being compulsory? They're not being a draft essentially anymore. Um, I mean, what do you like? To be honest, here, when you you must look at your your families. Both of you, you know, have parents and other family members who were in the military. What does that feel like? Um, I mean, do you do you think of yourself? And I'll start with Dr. Francis, since you're the psychologist. <laughs> you're supposed to be more introspective. Um, have you have you 
felt like less of a man? I mean, have you sort of chastised yourself? Or, I mean, I know you have done, you know, I mean, you're probably not a typical, neither one of you actually are typical since you both have, have done something um, on, in your own right to, that is patriotic and, and um, you know, whether it's writing the book about the veterans cemeteries and you're going to tell us more about what's in the book or, or serving the veterans. But, but still, um, did you ask yourself, you know, why am I not going into uh, the military like my family did beforehand and what does this mean about me? And I mean, did you consciously make the decision to do something else that would help uh, towards the same end? You know where I'm, I'm going. Dr. Francis? That's a great question, actually. It, it did come up for me as a very young person um, thinking about different occupations, and I think uh, there was a big pressure to become a priest, actually, in my family. Huh. So uh, that was a greater disappointment. But I, I actually did have that thought uh, when I was a young adolescent of, you know, could I do it, would I do it? And I, I really consciously decided, I, I don't think I can do this. I have to really be honest, too, with my patients who say, you know, well, you're not a veteran. Can you really understand? And yes. I, I totally hear that, that this is, you know, jumping a big divide, that they have seen a different reality. And for that reason, is part of the almost compulsion for me to work with uh, folks like this. It's like really wanting to understand what that what that experience was like. And, uh, and we get over it fairly quickly, but it's true that, uh, you know, I wasn't there, and there's no way that I could know that, that experience firsthand. Tom, what do you think? Well, all I'm going to say is you probably have two people very similar on your show today. When my first father passed, I was very seriously thinking about the priesthood. Hmm. <laughs> okay? And, and then uh, after that, I, I did uh, want to go to the Air Force Academy as a high school senior. And um, I believe I actually flunked the physical, to be truthful with you, uh, enlisted in ROTC at the University of Missouri, served uh, two years in that program. I was a week from going to my basic training at Eglin Air Force Base. They uh, de-escalated Vietnam, and anybody in the Air Force ROTC who was not pilot, navigator, or an engineer was uh, let go. So, you know, I had tried twice uh, to get into the military at that point in time. I have a stepson currently who is in Iraq uh, serving in the Army Reserve uh, mm. as a PSYOPs uh, operator. But back to, you know, the question that you asked, do I think there needs to be a draft or something of that nature? I think my answer to that question is yes. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a military draft, but just a draft to service to this country. Um, not Not as far as Israel has gone to put everybody into the military, but I do believe that every American person, and pick an age, it, it doesn't matter, should serve that two years or whatever the time period should be in service back to their country, especially at that younger age. It, it just helps, and again, this is for you two, not for me, but I feel that, that it just helps them define better who they are, where they should go, and what, what's happening in their life. I've just seen so many kids that I interview for uh, jobs that are just graduating from college and really just don't have a clue what they want to do or why they're even interviewing uh, for a job with the company that, you know, I'm with. It's just, oh, wow, you know, somebody told me to come here and, you know, talk to you about me and maybe I can get a job with you. I think that two years of responsibility, that two years of character molding or whatever it is that you want to call it would add so much to the moral fabric of America. So 
My answer is yes, I feel something of that nature should come back into play. Yes, I think that I think that that's um that would be a good way of doing it that maybe you know if there were enough people and and of course if we looked at that as though it was a rite of passage that everyone was supposed to do. You know, you go to high school and you do it, or you go to college and you do it, or, you know, maybe it could be done, you choose the years that it has to be done before you're 30 or something like that. Um, but, you know, then we wouldn't question it, just like we don't question having at least to go to high school. Um, and, and, yes, if, if if that was the case, then then there probably would be enough people so that there could be a choice in in whether to go into the military or do sort of a domestic peace corps or or, or something like that. Um, I, I agree that we need that character building time. That there is such a, I think that there is such a difference, Doctor Francis, like you were saying um, about how you know the the, the veterans who. Say well, you you can't understand, and, and it's true. Even even um, just people that we come in contact with, you know, just in life, that there is such a difference between people who have seen war, and of course, sometimes the difference is a very painful one or a very difficult one, or you know, because of the problems, physical or psychological problems that that have been caused by that. But uh, but then there's the other side of it that there's a certain kind of character building, maturity. I mean, woundedness as well. But um, that I do think puts the rest of life into perspective. Now, of course, I haven't been in the military either, um, and I'm not running to sign up, but um, I, I do try to do my part in a different way, I mean, particularly my passion, uh, the book that I wrote, Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted, and my passion about um, helping people, you know, speaking to people and so on about that and about other issues that face our country. But, but it's not the same. Um, what do you think about the draft? Well, I, I actually think that's a clever idea that Tom just shared. Um, I don't believe in a compulsory draft, but I do believe in um, uh, honoring the idea of service and that we have to have a wraparound approach to how we care for those people that have the courage to volunteer. And I think this is where we've dropped the ball. I mean, I, I don't mean to turn on my uh, colleagues in the VA or the Department of Defense. And many of my friends are doing uh, exceptional work in leading the field and treating PTSD. But this is, it's like turning a ship around in a port to turn around these institutions and saying, wait a second, we can't just offer them uh, a month of uh, screening and then let them go and not worry about how they integrate into society once again. This is where we're continuing to drop the ball. Yes, because, of course, then a lot of things happen once they get out. And then also, talking about suicide, um, we, I mean, of course, we've all heard about the, the stories, and I'm sure it's the tip of the iceberg, but we've heard a few stories, at least, about um, people who were on the waiting list to try to be seen in a VA facility, and um, they they committed suicide before they were ever seen. And, of course, that's such a... Such a tragedy. It's it's and and I mean it's not only a tragedy for the veterans and for their family, but it really is a shame. You know, we should all feel ashamed for that um, because it's a, a, a failing of all of us to not make sure that that they're getting better treatment. Well, we'll talk more about this when we come back. We're talking about Memorial Day the day after, and uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. 
I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and we'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Thomas Rook, the author of Sacred Ground, A Tribute to America's Veterans, and Dr. Francis Abwig, a psychologist who has helped countless veterans with PTSD. Um, one of the reasons why I think uh, we are hesitant to talk about um, our veterans with each other and what needs to be done, like we were talking about suicide and so on, getting more help to our veterans, is because when people start in a group, when people start talking about these kinds of issues, it tends to get political and it tends to be not just about veterans in general and and uh, the sacrifices they've made, but somehow it goes to Iraq 
and whether or now Afghanistan and whether or not we should be there and which wars we should have been in and we shouldn't have been in. And it really takes away from um, the sacrifice that the veterans have made, whatever war they are sent to. Could you comment on that, either one of you? Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Thank you for that. But that's exactly what it is. The young men and women who serve today are there for their own personal reason of commitment to this country. They, they want to grow. They have their own reasons and beliefs for, for being there. But they know that once they put on the uniform, uh, the military uniform of our country, they have the opportunity or their chance to be put into harm's way, depending on what the political situation around the country um, requires to be done and how our government reacts to it. So, I mean, I, I give them all the credit in the world. They've signed up, and sometimes they've written a blank check to the politicians of America saying, here I am, I'm here to carry out the, uh, the wishes and, and will of the American people, and I'm the people who get to do it, and by God, I'm, I'm proud to do it because I'm a soldier, I'm a Marine, I'm an airman, I'm a sailor, you know, of the United States of America. And Dr. Francis? Well, I think this accounts, it's a great question because uh, uh, so many of the, our veterans coming back from Afghanistan, Iraq, or other, other uh, uh, theaters of, of war will find themselves in conversations like this and will hear anger or disagreement about uh, whatever administration and their particular stance on the war, and it misses the boat completely because these are people who are uh, instruments of these, these uh, administrations. And I think, I think uh, it's much more much deeper psychological reasons that people cannot even begin to talk to some of their veteran uh, even if they're a family member, they don't have that awareness that war is ugly. It's, there are things that happen that are almost unspeakable, and it does require either a very savvy veteran himself or a very uh, conscious and compassionate listener to, to hear that uh, people got killed who were not meant to get killed, that war is messy, that uh, uh, people freeze, at very important moments in their uh, combat duty, sometimes it's unclear who the enemy is, and you go down that road with uh, in a conversation in everyday civilian life, and uh, it often gets uh, very difficult for a person who hasn't uh, really come to appreciate what 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 is that firsthand experience like. You know, and and I think Paul brings up a, 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 a Dr. brings up a great point, a, a fantastic point. Most of what America sees as war is either Hollywood or on the news. Yes. And I, I will say that both of those are so far from being the actual truth, but the one thing that seems to come back with everybody is is this belonging, this camaraderie, this this I was part of this great thing, this unit, this battalion of the Army of the United States or something of this nature in fact, I, I had done some book signings uh, this past week in St. Louis on, on Saturday, and I met a woman. I flew back in town on Sunday, and I, I just want to read you this one sentence that she uh, talked about her father before he passed, drove her out, had him, have her, excuse me, drive him out to the National Cemetery at Jefferson Barracks National Cemetery in St. Louis uh, before he died, and, and he said he just wanted to show me around. He told me that he was ready to die and that he helped the fellas there 
would accept him when his time came. He seemed proud to be included among their ranks, and he was proud. He was so proud too that someday when mom's time came, that she would be buried right there with him. He mm. knew that the fellas would like her. Mm. You know, and that's just that whole spirit of camaraderie um, that permeates. Uh, I, I think. Uh, Throughout our military, Doctor, would you agree with that to a degree? Well, it's a it's a nice point because it it really speaks to the need of more uh, people who have actually fought in the in the those particular theater of operations that have a deep understanding. So we're we're putting out a broad appeal for those folks to uh, come back and uh, become a part of peer support groups, get trained in counseling. They they've become some of our best uh, clinicians in the VA, and I, I would say for veterans who are fearful of going through those doors that there are people uh, not only who have had uh, lots of experience treating PTSD but have had firsthand experience in those uh, wars. Yes, yes, I would imagine that that would, it would be useful to, uh, it would be easier for a new veteran to hear some of these things um, from people who in prior from prior wars, it's kind of an interesting concept, um, it, and that that actually makes me think of something else. Isn't it true that part of the problem we were I was mentioning about how uh, there are these long waiting lists and sometimes people don't get treatment. Oftentimes people don't get treatment freq- off, uh, soon enough. But also there's the other phenomenon where. Um, it's not macho. A lot of veterans feel that if they see a uh, mental health professional, that it means that they're not, you know, they couldn't take it, that this is something that's sort of frowned upon. I see it all the time in, in private practice, people coming to me saying, no, I won't even go to the VA, or I, I just uh, uh, finished uh, one of those questionnaires on the exit interview. They're actually doing much better with these exit uh, screenings. Mm. They want to just get the hell out of there. So they, they say, of course I don't have any of these symptoms. Mm. They're not sleeping for days on end and they're suicidal, but it's like, I'm done with this. I want to get back home. And they don't realize that they've just uh, sentenced themselves to more difficulties in getting treatment and being underdiagnosed. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Um. Hmm. Yes, and I think they don't want to look uh, weak compared to their the people um, who are conducting these exit exams. Yeah, I mean, you know, the military cu- culture just frowns upon showing any weakness whatsoever. And that, that again, it's another thing that's it's so long in coming, and people in high command are, are attending to this, but it's so slow in changing. You know, this, this culture, it's shameful to show emotions, to show weakness, you know, it's unacceptable to talk about. For women, it's even worse because there might be sexual trauma or, uh, you know, that idea of unit cohesion is like the number one way of um, increasing the fighting force. And yet, uh, when you feel like you have to fall out for a psychiatric reason, you uh, really begin to feel uh, like you're not worthy to be a part of mm. that particular group. Mm-hmm. And, of course... Um there was well just recently there was the incident of um the man who was ironically in a stress center in Iraq who um took a gun and started shooting at people yeah army 
Sergeant John Russell. That was a very sad event. We still don't know all the details. Here again, it's the challenge of transparency. What ha what's really happening in uh, these military centers? Presumably, that was a uh, treatment center for combat stress, but we don't know what all happened. And it's very sad. What we know is that uh, uh, he did not feel fully understood, or it was such a long-standing depression that it was just not adequately treated prior. And I felt really bad for his father and his son who were in the news. Oh. You know, how how here they wanted to be so proud of, of their son or their father um, right. for his record, which presumably had been good up until then. And here, wasn't he, he was almost about to get out, too, wasn't right, it? Right, right. And I thought he was only an Iraqi veteran, but he had served a long time, I think since the 90s. And... Uh, and then it was just such a tragic ending. Yes. And here they must have been so proud of him. And, and yeah, of course, it will be interesting to hear what really happened. Um, of course, we know as therapists that a lot of times when patients feel, don't feel understood, they can get incredibly frustrated. And if you add to that the situation of being in a war zone and having guns all around you, oh, and his gun having been uh, taken away, which, of course, you know, took right. away his power, so he felt even more helpless and frustrated and misunderstood. I mean, that, that I'm sure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the um, looking at that, analyzing that whole situation as a psychiatrist or a psychologist, I mean, looking at it from the viewpoint of what the therapist there did wrong, you know, right. which I right. think probably came into play. Um, they should have. They should have been aware of the what would happen if they did that. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's scary to think that uh, uh, so much. There's so much demand, and we have no idea how how well equipped our, our uh, clinical folks in in the field or, or stateside are are doing. We got. It's it's another issue of uh, so many positions going unfilled in the VA, and then. Mm vast number of people who are coming in, and it's hard to get training. They have 600 clinicians who are being trained as we speak in sort of the standard of care for PTSD, but that's, it's just, it takes time to get that to happen. I don't yes, know. yes. And as wars around our world increase, um, it's hard to keep up with the demand, even in the best of circumstances. Well, we do need to take another break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about Memorial Day, but the day after, so stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, 
Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america son we gotta talk about drinking i know I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Memorial Day, the day after, with my guests, Thomas Ruck and Dr. Francis Abweg. Um, I just want to say before the end of the show that, of course, I, and I'm sure my guests would agree, and I'm sure, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer, everyone would prefer to have peace in the world. Um, I was talking about the draft and so on. It's not that I'm a warmonger, <laughs> But unfortunately in this world, I mean, looking at the news today, um, and, you know, I mean, not just today, but if one just takes a snapshot of the news, we have North Korea and Iran um, amping up, uh, you know, with their nuclear weapons, not really caring what the rest of the world has to say about it, and and wars and skirmishes and battles all over the world. I mean, just in every country just about there are problems. So... Um, as much as we need to strive for peace, and yes, I think we should have a peace department in our government that's more active, um, but we also have to be prepared for war, and that certainly is a concern. I don't think that we, we, um, we 
we should be naive and think that we can all just sing kumbaya and the world is going to be peaceful. So it's going to take a lot of work to do that, and hopefully it will arrive one day. But in the meantime, we need to protect our shores and and beyond and and our skies from nuclear wars and our uh, bodies from bioterrorism and and so on. Um, But let's, uh, just to close up, um, Dr. Abwig, tell us about um, some of the warning signs that people, veterans and their families and their friends could look out for um, to see if they have problems, to to tell them that they have problems if they don't see it in themselves and what they should do about it. Uh, Good question. So uh, if a person continues to have... Uh, thoughts that they just cannot shake. So every day, experiences from the war revisit them, either in their daytime thinking or in their sleep in terms of nightmares. Another symptom is irritability, actually rage. So if that um, is an ongoing issue, we're not just talking about the occasional argument, but absolute rage and uh, uh, substance abuse and medication or, or alcohol to to uh, quiet the symptoms. Um, if, if you find yourself isolating and avoiding not only social contact outside of the house, but even within your own family, these are all uh, signs that it would be a really good idea to get some help. And they should do what? Well, um, you know, the VA is uh, still the primary source of uh, um, getting help, and so I really strongly recommend they can go call their local outpatient clinic within the VA and get the assessment done. And if they're fearful for any reason, they can go through veterans' organizations and just get a helping hand. This is the only way you've got to turn around that, that avoidance uh, cycle is by actually letting somebody uh, walk you through. If you're trying to file a claim, there are websites that are very helpful. There's a there's a fabulous website called afterdeployment.org that will act, actually has fellow veterans with little vignettes uh, on video talking you through each one of these steps, whether you have an alcohol problem, depression, you're feeling suicidal. There are other guys or women that have gone through this themselves that are willing to help, and they can visit my website for some contacts also. And what is your website? That's uh, traumaresource.com. It's all one word, traumaresource.com. They can find some links on there that will be very helpful. Okay, that would be great. And, um, Tom, what about, tell us a little bit more about your book and the charity that the money goes to. A hundred percent of the money, folks. Uh, Go yes. ahead. Well, yeah, it, it, it's the Freedom Alliance Scholarship Fund, and their website is freedomalliance.org. And last year they gave out over 200 scholarships to children uh, of, uh, who lost their parent while wearing the uniform of our great country. And they will continue to raise all the money they can to let these kids know that when they grow up and they get ready to go to college, and if that's the path that they choose, that, hey, there may be some money out there for you for scholarships because we want to let you know that we're not going to forget your mom and your dad and what they meant to the you know America and the sacrifice they meant. The other thing I'd like to talk about is just real quickly the National Cemetery Administration they maintain 129 cemeteries around the country, our national cemeteries. 2.9 million of our veterans and family members are laid to rest in each one of those cemeteries, and they provide that dignity and professionalism and that commitment to make sure that they are some of the most spectacular cemeteries 
in, in the country, if not the world. And, of course, the book itself is uh, 47 photographers showed a shot at our national cemeteries around the country, 11 celebrity essays from Bob Hope, Buzz Aldrin, Mickey Rooney, Dennis Miller, Paul Tuttle, Sean Hannity, Oliver North, all, all wrote essays. I have 14 speeches from Washington's Call to Arders to Patton's Blood and Guts speech to Remember the Maine to even George Bush's 9-11. We have 200 quotes from John Wayne and Maya Angelou. Bob Dole did the foreword, and all the money goes to charity. And the, and, and the website, sacredgroundbook.com. Sacredgroundbook.com. And, um, and people can also get a, a clue of what's inside when they oh. go there. Yes, it's up and running and uh, shows a lot of different aspects of the book as well as audience information. Thank you. Well, um, we're we're almost down to the wire here. What else would um, uh, you have, like, you each have time to just sort of make another closing statement here? Doctor, you want to go first? Well, all I'd say is that uh, there is help out there for people, and uh, uh, if, if they take on probably, uh, they've already taken on the toughest challenge of their life of surviving war. And the next big challenge is how to become a part of society again. And, and there are people out here that are willing to help. And well, here's a question. What should somebody do? You know, you said to contact the VA. But what about if they contact the VA and they're told that they're on a waiting list? Is there some secondary? I mean, of course, they can always go to private um, Yes, there are actually some pro bono organizations. I have those listed. There is some free therapy available in the community all around the country to veterans. So if they're resourceful, they can find that. But um, there are vet, vet, veterans organizations that will help guide them through uh, or fighting for their service connection or access to treatment. So if they, get, they run into any roadblocks, they can find people that will fight on their behalf, and they can always go to their local local legislator's office, and uh, uh, things suddenly start popping when you complain to your congresspeople. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let me give out the websites again in the couple of minutes that I have left. Um, that was afterdeployment.org. That was a lot of different resources for veterans. Yeah. And Dr. Francis Abweg's website, um, his own website, is traumaresource.com. And uh, Thomas Ruck, his book, Sacred Ground, A Tribute to America's Veterans, is at sacredgroundbook.com. And also the charity that the money goes to from that book that gives out scholarships to veterans' children is freedomalliance.org. Thank you both for being guests on my show today. I think that we've, you know... uh, We've touched the highlights, and I, I hope that we've made you all who are listening think about some of these things and um, hope that you'll chat about some of them with your friends and family and so on. And if you know a vet, I mean, there are so many things that you can do um, besides donating money or giving uh, you know, different products to organizations that send things to vets and so on. Um, but even a simple thing, if you know of it or you see somebody in uniform on the street, just go up to them and say thank you because it were it not for all of these veterans from all of these wars and the current veterans, we would not be on the air talking to you today because it's because of them 
that we still have our freedom, and we need to remember that for the future. The wars, unfortunately, are not over. They're, as I said before, we need to strive for peace, but we also need to make sure that uh, our freedoms are assured for generations and generations to come. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.